0: Would you turn, please, to the book of Psalms this evening, Psalm 34. We've been talking for some weeks now on Friday nights on the subject we call, God is good. And we're happy about it, aren't we? Because we believe it. We believe God is good. And it's not just words to us. We're believing for revelation of what that means. It's easy to just say something, even say it all your life, and really not know what you're talking about or what it means. But uh, what does it mean? God is good. What does that mean? And not just in theory, what does it mean to you on a Monday afternoon? What does it mean to you on a Saturday morning? God is good. And people have these little sayings, you know, and and they learn how to say them back and forth to each other. Uh, God is good. And someone says, all the time. Someone says, all the time. God is good. Well, that means not a thing. If you're not experiencing, did you hear me? His goodness. You know what I'm talking about? We can learn to parrot little things and do little things, and, and it's religious, but... I don't care how flowery it sounds or pretty it looks or if you can frame it and hang it on the wall. If it doesn't work in your life, what good is it? I'm not interested in playing and pretending. How about you? If it's real, it's real. If it's not, forget about it. Let's have it though. God is real and he is good. And good is good. It's worth finding out more about. Psalm 34, are you there? Let's read it out loud, beginning in verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Hallelujah. Let's stop right there. Faith people do this. Another word for boast is brag. Faith people are braggers. But not braggers on themselves. Braggers on God. What God has done what God is doing and what he's going to do, faith brags on God. Now people who don't understand that, they think you brag it on yourself. But you can't stop it just because they don't know what's going on. You shouldn't be intimidated and back off just because they don't understand what's happening. Just because they're wrong. You should brag on God all the time. I mean just brag, 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 brag. God did this and the Lord did this and he did this and he's doing this and and he's going to do this and and he did this. And he's so big. He's so great. He's so wonderful. He's so amazing. Now what did it say will happen when you do that? The humble people that have a right heart, they'll hear that and what? They're going to be glad about it. They're going to rejoice with you. What about folks who don't want to hear it? Well, they don't have the right heart and they're not going to be glad, but they're the ones that need to change. He said, verse three, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. He said, come on and join me. Brag on the Lord with me. I sought the Lord and he heard me. And delivered me from all my fears. Now listen, if uh, this is not real to you, work on this. You know, we camped on this for months a while back. Uh, There's a series called Free From All Fears. That's available online. You can download it. You can get it in the Word Supply. Don't go around with phobias. I'm afraid of this, I'm afraid of that, I'm afraid of heights, I'm afraid of being in crowds, I'm afraid of driving in heavy traffic, I'm afraid of thunderstorms, I'm afraid of tornadoes, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Fear to the child of God is contraband. Yeah, that's right. You're not supposed to have any. That's right. It is of the enemy. So if we pulled your life mobile over on the side of the road and did a search... would we go ah there's some fear Uh they got fear right here in the back seat Uh (laughs) but did you know that the majority of Christians don't even think there's anything wrong with it well all of us got some fears and they'll teach their kids well you know a little fear is healthy you need to have some fear well brother Keith you ought to be afraid of a snake no you ought not be afraid of a snake Now you ought to respect his ability to bite you. (laughs) And don't play with him like a toy. You ought to respect a grizzly bear's ability to swat you into the next county. A lion's ability to chomp on you and break all your bones. But to be afraid of them and to have fear of them is not okay. It is not godly. It is not Christ-like. Can you picture Jesus afraid? Can you picture him trembling and cowering in fear? Absolutely not. Are you a Christ I am? Then that means one like him. You're his disciple, learning and training to be like him. Then you should have no more fear than him. Now teach your children this. Mommy, I'm afraid of the dark. Don't fuss at them about it, but help them get over it. I'm afraid of this, Mommy. Daddy, I'm afraid of this. Don't fuss at them. Don't come down on them about it, but help them to get past it, whatever it takes. Don't just say, well, you know, everybody's afraid of something. No. Work with them until they're no longer afraid. Get the word in them. Talk about it. Show them things. I never forget, I couldn't have been just barely walking age. And uh, somebody bought me an alligator, a stuffed alligator. And I liked him until it was time to go to bed. (laughs) And mama put him in the closet and shut the door and turned out the light and left. And something made me think that maybe that alligator was going to come out of that closet. (laughs) What was that something? That's the enemy. The enemy will try to work on your little ones. He'll bring thoughts and feelings of fear to them and lies to them. I know that sounds unreasonable, but it's not any more unreasonable than other fears that adults have. People have all kinds of fears and they're just totally unreasonable, but they cling to them anyway. The enemy comes and brings lies. That stuffed alligator is not coming out of that closet. Uh -uh. But the enemy told me that he might. And it produced fear in me. But I'm so glad they didn't know that much about the word, but they worked with me and helped me. And what I needed to do is to go to that closet and look at that thing. And kick him around a little bit. (laughs) And realize he ain't doing nothing. He ain't going nowhere. But you got to do this with your kids. Do not just go, well, you know, everybody's afraid of something. No, you're not supposed to be afraid of anything. And little children, if you see, when they come into this world, they're not. They're fearless. They have to be taught it. See to it that it's not you teaching them. Teach them to be wise. Teach them not to do foolish things and dangerous things, but don't teach them to be afraid. Are you with me now? Don't put fear in them. And the only way to keep from transferring fear to them is to get it out of you. If you have fear in you, it will get into them. Just by right of them living around you and being with you. Even if you don't talk about it. It's spiritual. God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Well, you must say, Brother Keith, I, I've got a lot of fears. I've had them all my life. Stop making excuses for them. Stop talking about your past and your problems and your childhood. Believe this verse right here. I sought the Lord. Instead of talking about your past and problems, do this. Seek the Lord. What will happen? He will hear you. What will happen next? He will deliver you from all your fears. Glory to God. The biggest issue about this is fear of death. And if you're not afraid to die, then it's hard for the enemy to mess with you on any of this stuff. Hmm? If he tells you, You're liable to get killed doing that, you go, So <laughs> what if I did? See, people think that's the worst thing in the world that could happen to you. You die. We're all going to die. The Lord Terrors is coming. And Christians don't have to be afraid of it at all. Well, if I had time and was so inclined, we'd reteach the series on Delivered from All Fears, but we're doing something else. But obviously there's a number of people that need to get this. That's why I'm into it right now. So take advantage. Not just our materials, but whatever materials, anywhere that anybody's got that'll help you. Get in the Word. Feed on this until you get free from all fears. You're not afraid of anything. Right? That's how you're supposed to be. Fearless. That doesn't mean you do stupid things. It just means you're not afraid. He said, uh, skip it on down because I'll preach on every one of these. (laughs) Verse 8 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Taste and see. Taste and see. Taste what? The goodness of the Lord. See what? The goodness of the Lord. Now we're here in Psalm 34. Just hold your place. Turn back a couple of pages to Psalm 27. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Verse 13 of chapter 20, a uh, song, twenty seven thirteen says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is very specific. Are we supposed to just say, well, the Lord's good, so he'll do some good. It's up to him. We'll just see. Any good he does if and when he decides to do any good. Do we have a responsibility to actively believe and expect to see? See, he said, "I, I wouldn't have made it unless I had believed to see. I would have been too weak. I would have fainted from lack of strength and ability. I wouldn't have made it through I'd have given up. I'd have quit. Unless. (laughs) Unless I did not believe this is it. I didn't believe this is the end. I didn't believe it's all over. I believed to see. The goodness. Of the Lord. In the land. Of the living. That's not heaven. That's not sweet by and by. That's not later on. That's right here. That's right now in the land of the living. Can you say amen? Amen. Should we take this seriously? Should we stir ourselves up to believe, to see, to expect, to experience what? The goodness of the Lord in this life, in the land. Of the living. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, years ago. Before I was. Uh, before Phyllis and I ever. Uh, went to Bible school. Or got into the ministry. Years ago. I. Uh, had just getting a hold of some things. About healing and faith. I'm in my late teens. And I was working. At a place in. uh a lady in the church that was a mother in the church everybody loved her spiritual woman praying woman diagnosed with terminal cancer she had been had problems with cancer off and on for the last two or three years and now she's bed fast she's in the hospital and they say you know don't know how she's lived this long well at the same time I found out that I was redeemed from the curse of the law, and I was just, you didn't know what to do with myself about it. And I, I just got it on my heart to go visit this lady. She knew me. In fact, we were distant kin folks in the deep south where I grew up. And uh, I went by and I just said, sister, you know, could I read some scriptures to you? Now, her background was different, and they didn't necessarily believe in healing like I was becoming to believe. But I'd read scriptures, and I'd say, I'd try to talk to her about, you know, being healed, and she said, oh, Keith, you know, I've had a good life, and I love the Lord, and, you know, I, some of her loved ones had already gone home to be with the Lord, and and she's just like, you know, whatever the Lord wants. And so I said, oh, all right, I'd leave. Next day after work, I'd come by again. You know, all of God's word is medicine. Yes, Do you know that? Yes, the Bible said his words are life yes. to those that find them and health for medicine to all their flesh. Well, now, you know, the Bible, God compares the word to medicine. Well, you go to the, see the doctor. He didn't just have a standard medication. For all things. And you just come and says, here, take the pill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I have this, so take the pill. What do I take for this? The pill. What about this other thing? The pill. No, no. That's why they have to try to diagnose specifically what it is that your problem, because the medication is specific to the problem. And there's some of that concerning the word. So I tried talking to her about uh by his stripes you're healed and it was just right over her head. She's like, "Well, you know, Job suffered a lot and Paul had a thorn in the flesh and I just want whatever the Lord wants. Well, it's not working." So I tried talking to her about anointing of the oil and, and laying on of hands and I could tell from her response it's just didn't click. See, we we don't get results just by going in and doing things mechanically. Oh, you have to be led by the Spirit. With every situation, every day, there is no substitute for it. But one thing that will help you, even if you're ignorant like I was, and just as young and wet behind the ears as could be, if you'll just have some determination and say, well... (laughs) We didn't get it today, but I'll be back tomorrow. And not trying to, you know, if you find something that's irritating the person, well, back off. You're not going to get them irritated to health. This well, I don't believe that. Well, no need you try to push it off on them. But there's a lot of medicine in this book. So I'd come from a different angle and I'd come from a different angle and I'd come from a different angle. One day I'm reading the uh, 90th Psalm, I guess it is. No, excuse me, the uh, 91st Psalm. And it got down to the end. With long life, I'll satisfy them, show them my salvation. And I said, Sister, I called her name. I said, you know, that says long life. He'd satisfy you. I said, are you sure you're satisfied? I'm just a young kid, teenager. And she's old enough to be my great grandma. But when I said that, I saw a little spark in her eye. And she said, well, there are a few things I would like to do. Man, (laughs) that was... That was like saying, sick them to a dog. And I thought, I got it. I got it. I got something going here. This is after weeks. But I tried to be cool. I didn't carry on like that. I just, I said, well, that's what it says. I said, let me read it again. With long life. Long. Long. I said, Sister, you're not that old. She said, Oh, baby, I'm pretty old. I said, You're not that old. She said, Well, not that old. I said, No, you're not. I said, uh, There's some other things that maybe you'd like to do before you go on home. She said, Well, there was a, a thing or two. I said, You know, we miss you down at the church. And I was serious. I said, You know, we, you get up and you testify. And the anointing had come on you, and we, us young folks, we haven't experienced all the things in God uh, that your generation has, and and we'd like for you to pass the rest of that on to us before you get out of here. I said, "Are you sure there's not some more things that you'd like to do?" And she said, "You know, there are some things." And I would like to come back to church. I said, we'd love for you to come back to church. We would like to see you. And I just believe God's big enough. He could do this thing. I said, let me read this again. With long life. I satisfied. I said, are you satisfied? Are you sure you're satisfied? Well, the more we (laughs) talked. I came back the next day, read the same scripture, and we talked about it and talked about it. She got better. She got better. She got better. She's sitting up in bed. She's talking. She's eating. Within a couple of weeks, went home. Went home. The doctors were astounded. I mean, a few weeks later, she's standing up in church, testifying. What I'm saying is, she was laying there feeling like there was nothing much to look forward to. She's seen it all, she's done it all, pretty much. But, what did he say? I would have fainted. I would have quit. I would have said, well, that's it, that's enough. Uh-huh. Unless, what did she begin to have stirring in her? That there was some more goodness of God that she could be a part of, that she could see. And it was enough to stir her faith. And that's all God needed to bring her out of there. If you believe the devil's lies that this is it, it'll never be any better, it'll never be as good as it was used to be, this is it, we're done, might as well quit, then you're not expecting to see the goodness of the Lord. If you're just expecting to maintain, just status quo, just, well, we'll just maintain, we'll just, what are y'all gonna do? Well, we'll just live, I guess, we just make it through the day, well, that's not enough. I said, that's not enough, do this verse do the scripture believe to see the goodness of the Lord Lord. on this side in the land of the living how many believe God's got some more good things that you want to be a part of you don't want to miss and you'll know Lord Terry's is coming long enough and you get old enough you'll know if you're satisfied, really satisfied. Really satisfied. And then you can go on home and be with the Lord. Go back to the Psalm 34, please. Blessed be God. Thank you, Master. He said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. We read in verse 12... What man is he that desires life and loves many days that he may what? See good. See See some good. Then keep your tongue from evil. Now evil is the opposite of good. You understand that? If you want good, you have to talk good. If you talk evil... Now, I almost hesitate to use that word because there is a religious connotation that puts people's mind on a track. Let me give you the definitions again. What does good mean? Anybody remember any of these things from the, from the original words? It means pleasant. It means beautiful. Valuable. Excellent. Rich. Prosperous. Well. Appropriate. Beneficial, Amen. happy, honest, honorable, right. That's what good is. What is evil? Evil's the opposite of that. In fact, let me give you some specific words from the definitions. One of the biggest words you'll see is just the word bad. What is evil? In fact, we probably would in our modern Language today, we probably wouldn't say evil. We'd probably say bad. Bad. Also, that which hurts or hurtful. If something hurts or injures or destroys, it's bad. And the word's translated in the King James evil. Is sickness good or bad? Well, it's not beneficial, it's not beautiful, it's not pleasant, it's not happy, right? It's injurious, it hurts, it destroys, so it's evil. In fact, in the Psalms, one time he said, an evil disease, talking about a disease, calls it evil. Well, evil means bad. Also, evil means wrong, and evil means useless. Bad. Well, if you want to see a lot of good days, then keep your tongue from bad. Don't talk bad, talk good. There's just a spiritual law and a principle here. Talk what you want. No way. If you don't want what you have, quit talking what you have. Talking your problem is going to perpetuate your problem. Indefinitely. Talk what you want, not what you have, not where you are. Don't talk poverty, that's bad. Talk blessing. Talk prosperity. Don't talk sickness, even though you're feeling a lot of it. Talk healing. Talk health. Not always easy to do. But it's the way out. He said, keep your tongue from evil. And verse 14, get this. Depart from evil. Or another, what would we say instead, maybe? Leave the bad and do the good. Seek peace and pursue it. I want to talk some about this. Go to Amos, please. And Isaiah 5. Amos 5 and Isaiah 5. Isaiah 5. Amos 5. Can you find those places? Anybody know where Amos is? Hmm? Can you find Amos? (laughs) Amos 5 and 4. For thus says the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me and you shall live. Seek me and you'll live. Verse 6. Seek the Lord and you shall live. He says it again. Do you see that? Do what? Seek the Lord and you'll live. Now, uh, there are some things in medicine that can help you. There are some things in nutrition that can help you. But you have to watch. Watch. About seeking that instead of the Lord. About putting your faith in that to heal you instead of the Lord. I've seen many a person, many a man, many a woman, miss God when they were in serious trouble by focusing on something else and seeking something else other than the Lord. And saying, well, this new medicine is going to be my salvation. This new doctor is going to be my salvation. This herb, this thing is going to be it. No, there are times where the Lord could use something to help you, but you better get your eyes on him. Seek him. Not nutrition. Not medicine. And if in seeking him, he shows you something else that will help you, okay, but that should be way down here and he's here. understand that? Oh, this is serious. There's a lot of Christians that are no longer with us because they sought something else beside him. And you can tell because that's all they talk about. They don't talk about the Lord and healing in the word. They're always talking about this, this other thing. And so you can see that their faith is misplaced and their focus is misdirected. Skip on down to the 14th verse. What did he say? Seek good and not bad, not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with you as you have spoken. Verse 15, what? Hate the evil, the bad, and what? Love the good. Said out loud, hate the bad, hate the bad. love, the good. love the, good. Seek the good, seek the good, not the bad. Not the bad. Seek God, seek God. And, live. and live. I have seen people that were told that they were incurable and had a few days to live do this. And still alive today, decades later. But it's time to get serious. How many remember Hezekiah when he was told to put his house in order because he was going to die? Yeah, but he didn't. He lived a long time after that. Now, without going into it, look I mean, you can study it in the book of Isaiah and other places. But the man of God, the prophet of God came to him. The Lord told him, set your house in order because you're going to die. Somebody said, well, the Lord tells you you're going to die, then you're going to die. Well, he didn't for a long time. But what happened? The Bible said, when the man of God went out, he turned his face to the wall. And he got to praying. Amen. Who do you think he's thinking about and talking to? God. I, when I hear that phrase, turned his face to the wall, what I hear is, he sees nothing Amen. but God. He's thinking about nothing but God, and he's talking to the Lord. And before the man of God could get off of his property, the Lord told him, turn around, go back, tell him, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. I'm going to add to your life. How long it was? 14, 15 years, a decade and a half. Did God change his mind? No. (laughs) If you read that whole passage, you'll find that, that Hezekiah said later, The Lord was ready to heal me. The Lord does not change. Hezekiah changed. And because he changed, God could give him a different word. Amen. Oh, do you see that now? Yes, sir. See, this is where people miss it. It was not ordained of God, predestined of God, that he die right then. That's right. That's right. He was able to change some things within himself. And since he did, it changed the length of his life. Oh, can you see this? Don't just take my word for it. Don't just think about this one thought. Go back, study Proverbs. Study Psalms. Look at these different scriptures. The Bible says in Proverbs there are certain things you can do that will add years to your life. Psalms talks about certain things you do will cut your life in half. People want to just leave it all up to the Lord. But so much of it's up to us. What we do or don't do. Seek the Lord and live. Go back to Isaiah now. The fifth chapter. Go back and read sometime Isaiah 38 carefully, and you'll see some of the things I just mentioned in that story. Isaiah 5. Are you there? Yes, sir. No, you're ahead of me. Isaiah 5. The scripture says. Down in about verse uh, 19 or so, we'll skip down to verse 20, Isaiah 5:20, "Woe unto them that call evil good, or they call bad good, and they call good bad or evil." And that put darkness for light and light for darkness and that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. And he goes on to talk about that they are mighty to drink and get drunk. And he talks about their lifestyle. Listen to this. They call evil good and good evil. Now this is one of the main areas of operation of the enemy. He is an evil one. A bad one. And he is wicked. Wicked means twisted. He's always trying to confuse humanity about what's good and what's bad. And we have millions on the planet right now that are calling evil good and good evil. It's a big, big problem. And you see it begin all the way back in the, in the garden. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. That's what happened with the serpent. That's what happened with the enemy. He came. And he said, you know, did God really say that? You know, the Bible said the woman saw that the tree was good to eat for food. Well, she hadn't eaten it. Why does she think that? God told them they'd die if they ate of it. But the enemy said, no, no. You're thinking it's a bad thing. But really, it's a good thing. Because when you look at that, doesn't that look good? How could anything that looks that good be bad? And beside that, you will not really die. But when you partake of this... You're going to have knowledge of good and evil like God. And what could be bad with that? That's good. Having more knowledge. Having more understanding. What's he saying? He's saying evil is good. Isn't he? Oh, he's been doing this every day since. And we have all kinds of Christians that have allowed themselves to be deceived and confused, and they are calling evil things good. And you got all the world that's unsaved, don't know God, and opposed to Him, calling His good things evil. There's a lot of people that believe that what's happening in here tonight is evil. They do, it needs to be banned. They believe it. They're convinced of it. That this does harm to society. Because we're not open minded enough. We're not open to all the other religions. We believe there's only one God. And only one Savior. And only one way. And that is just entirely too ignorant and narrow minded. For the world community. They believe it's evil. Of course you can see in the news. The folks of. uh, You know the other religion. They think. Us. Israel. And others are evil. Evil. That the world would be a lot better place. If we were wiped off. If they could remove us. But we're not evil. God is good. God is good. And we're his kids. And we're good kids. Of a good father. Good comes from good. Good cannot come from evil. Only evil comes from evil. You know David quoted that. Which obviously was a proverb in his day. You don't read it in the scripture per se. But he quoted it. When he was, had the opportunity to kill Saul. You remember that Saul didn't know they were there and uh, he was apart from his guard and they could have easily taken him out and not had to run from him anymore. And he's virtually a demon possessed man. He's a bad man. But David said, no, my hand will not touch him. Not the Lord's anointed. And he talked about how that evil comes from evil. It proceeds from the evil. A bad thing, a terrible thing is not to come from a good person. So he's not going to hurt this man. He's not going to do this. He said, you know, his time will come if he doesn't straighten up. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. God put him in there. God can take him out. But my hand won't touch him. Because evil comes from evil. Oh, do you hear this? You try to hear it. People will try to tell you, well, we're doing evil to accomplish the greater good. Mm-mm. Evil comes from evil. Well, the end justifies the means. No, it does not. Evil comes from evil. Evil stuff means an evil inside. Evil fruit. Turn back there and read it. In the New Testament, in the book of Luke, chapter 6, Luke 6. 45, Luke 6, 43, 6, for a good tree brings not forth corrupt fruit, neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree is known by his fruit. Is he talking about fruit trees? No. He's talking about people. For of thorns, men do not gather figs. What do you get off of thorn bushes? Thorn. You don't get figs, you get thorns. Nor of a bramble bush do they gather grapes. A good man. Are you reading this with me now? Yeah. What kind of man? Good man? How can you tell? If somebody's a good man or a good woman. A hmm? Well, you know, hey you got to watch them. They'll lie to you. they would just sooner lie to you and tell you the truth. And don't leave any money laying around because they will steal it. But they got a good heart. Well, I'm sorry, but no, they don't. They can change. I said they can change. They can be forgiven. They can change. But evil comes from what? Bad comes from what? Bad. Bad. (laughs) Some folks didn't like that. Reconcile it with this verse. Don't just look at me. Verse 45. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, does what? Brings forth what? That which is good. And a what? Evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil or bad. So how do you get this fixed? Let's say a person, all this bad stuff is coming out of this person. How do we get it fixed? First of all, got to be born again. And your insides are changed. You're no longer a dead spirit with an evil father. Satan's your father. No, you're born again. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And these things are of God who is good. So these things are good. Good things of a good God. But that's not the end. Then you got to get your insides filled with good. You need to be filled with the good spirit of God. And you need to be filled with the good word of God. And you need to be having input of good all the week, every day, every night. Input of good. Input of good. We should watch and beware of things around us. Media, internet, TV, movies, books that are trying to get some evil in there. Some bad. Trying to put bad in us. You feed on something enough. Enough. It's going to get in you. You get enough of it in you. It's going to come out of you. Oh, what about the other side of it? What if you just get the Word in you? The Word, the good Word, the good Word, the good Word. The good Spirit of God, the good Word of God. The good Spirit of God. Well, even if you've been a sorry rascal, you're going to change. Hmm? You can have a cup full of dirty... Mucky, nasty stuff, stuff crud on the sides of the glass and stuff cruddy floating on top of the stuff. And you can take some fresh water and you can start flowing it into that glass, right? And you might be so dark, you couldn't see through it, but it's going to begin to force that stuff over the side. And you just keep it coming and keep it coming. It'll eventually wash all of that out of there and displace all of it out of there. And you can be washed with the washing of the water of the Word. And washed with the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. People say, you better watch out. Go to that church, they'll brainwash you. That thing needs a good scrubbing. It needs a good washing. (laughs) Right? But not from men's ideas. From God's holy, clean, pure, purifying word. That's why you ought to read your chapter every day. That's why you ought to pray in tongues every day. That's why you ought to go to church. and You ought to fellowship with good people. That want to talk about good things. That want to do good things. Teenagers. And adults. You can't hang around people. That all they want to do is bad stuff. Without it affecting you. You can't do it. All they want to do is talk about getting high. That's all they want to do. They want to talk about stealing something. All they want to do is talk about fornication or having affairs. You don't need to be around that. You can't afford that. Your flesh doesn't need to hear that. It can be challenging enough to deal with on its own without getting fed and nourished with this bad stuff. So even though you think they're your friend, you don't need to spend all this time with them. And all they want to talk about is bad stuff. And all they want to do is bad stuff. I know this may sound elementary, but it's important tonight. Hmm? What did he say? A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is good. How can you tell if they're good people? Hmm? Mrs. Will, nobody really knows. It's hidden in the heart. Well, no. Out of the abundance of the heart. What does that mean? Out of. It means it comes out. Somebody full of something, it's going to come out. If they're full of lust, that's going to come out. They'll say off-color stuff. And not even mean to. Did you hear me? If they're full of covetousness, they'll say it, not even mean to. Then they'll start backpedaling and go, oh, 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 I didn't mean that. You know, I mean, believe me. I don't care about all that stuff. When somebody starts saying, believe me, trust me, that's when you need to start backing up. <laughs> Usually when people say, I'm not trying to be haughty or judgmental. (laughs) Most of the time, that's exactly what they're doing. The reason they even thought of it is because the Lord's trying to check them inside about it. Now, I'm not judging them. I'm not. But let me just tell you what I think about it. No, you just, it's exactly what you're doing. I'm not trying to talk about anybody. But <laughs> a good man out of the good treasure brings forth the good, evil, a bad man out of the bad treasure of his heart brings forth that which is bad for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Thank you, master for light. Can you say amen? amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Back up just a little bit further in this same chapter. Uh, Go to Romans, please. Just wait on that passage there. Go to Romans 1, and I'm going to need the uh, amplified. Romans, the first chapter. This is a uh, perfect example of the truth we're talking about tonight, did you know in some countries it is now illegal to preach out of the latter part of this chapter, Romans 1, that's not an exaggeration, it's illegal to get on TV, I should say, to get on TV or a public venue and read these verses and comment on them. Let's believe, God, this does not happen in our country. And let's not only pray, but let's vote. And anybody that will try to do this kind of thing in our nation, let's put them out of office. Right? This is supposed to be a country, you know, by the people and for the people. So if enough of us want it a different way, that's the way it should be. And there's a lot of us. I said, there's a lot of us. Well, we might not all agree, you know, on healing or tongues or prosperity. But we all agree that Jesus is the Son of God and that this book is it. And uh, let's not let that happen. But the whole thing has to do with people calling bad good. And good, bad, and twisting and changing. Let's read it. We'll begin in verse 16. And I'm in the Amplified here. I'm so thankful we can read the last part of Romans 1 here in Branson, Missouri tonight. And just read it just like it's written. And not blink an eye. And not be afraid that somebody's going to try to lock the doors on this place before the next service. Now, that should tell us something. When people say you can't use those verses, and it has to do with homosexuality and lesbianism. But that was just part of what was being dealt with in this passage. Verse 16 I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ. For it is God's power working to salvation to everyone who believes a personal trust, confident surrender, firm reliance to the Jew first and to the Greek. For in the gospel a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed springing forth from faith and leading to faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live And shall live by faith. For God's wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. And unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness. Their what? What does wicked mean? Twistedness. They repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. Did you hear that? This The New Living says... Wicked people who push the truth away from themselves. Now what you're going to see as we go further. This is not people who don't know the truth. This is not people who never heard or never seen the truth. They see it but choose something else. He said. For that which is known about God is evident to them and made plain in their inner consciousness because God has shown it to them. For ever since the creation of the world, His invisible nature and attributes, His eternal power and divinity, has been made intelligible and clearly discerned in and through the things that have been made. So men are without excuse. Anybody that's alive and can see and hear and experience creation. Knows there is a God in their heart. Whether they admit it or acknowledge it or not. Their heart knows this. They can override this with their head. But deep calls unto deep. And the creation. The inside of the creation calls to the creator. This is beyond the intellect. This is beyond the reasoning. Every human being. If they would admit it. Knows there's a creator. There's something in them calling and reaching and hungering for the one who made them. And he said, The whole creation's full of it. You see it when you look up in the night sky. You see it when you look across the mountain range. You see it when you see the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom. You see it. What are you seeing? It takes. A confused simpleton to believe that this just is. It just happened. It's one of those wild, wild coincidences. There was a random collision, random explosion, and there was the proper chemical reaction, and from the goo to the zoo... To you <laughs> that's like sitting off a bunch of C4 in a salvage yard and when the dust cleared that Citation 5 is sitting there shining like new money <laughs> who with any intelligence would believe that you look at that thing The intricacy of that thing and the harmony of all those working systems. You know somebody thought this out and planned it and made it. And that thing is crude compared to God's creation. Somebody had this in their heart and mind. Somebody planned this. Somebody made this. And people can educate their intellect and deceive their self until they convince themselves they no longer believe it. But when they draw their last breath, they'll no longer be an atheist or an infidel. It only works, you know, if you want it to work for a few breaths while you're here. But what did he say? From the creation of the world, his nature, his attributes, his power, his divinity... Are discernible. You can see them. In his handiwork. Verse 21. But now get this. Because when they knew. And recognized him as God. They did not honor. And glorify him as God. Or give him thanks. Far more of this is happening. Than what people think. People play ignorant. But they're not. They see more, far more than they're letting on. They know more than they're letting on. This talks about people, they saw it was God, they knew it was God, but what? They did not honor and glorify Him as God, they did not give Him thanks, but instead they became futile and godless in their thinking, and their senseless minds were darkened. When you see light, and you decide you don't want that, there's only one other thing for you. Darkness. Darkness. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They're professing themselves to be smart, but they're fools. And by them the glory and majesty and excellency of the immortal God did you hear this? were exchanged for and, and represented by images. Resembling mortal man and birds and beasts and reptiles. Every culture, every nation on the planet of the earth that worships idols. Back in their history, their forefathers knew something about God. And chose that instead of him. And it makes hard, makes it hard on the subsequent generations when that's all you've known your whole life is worshiping this rock. But no matter, you still got all creation talking to them. You still got their spirit calling out. And God's got a body of Christ that's getting the gospel around the world too. Not enough, but the Lord's helping us. Keep reading. They, do you see this? They exchanged this stuff for God. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their own hearts to sexual impurity. To the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves abandoning them to the degrading power of sin. Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So be it. Now he goes on to talk about people in sexual sin. And you'll see, I'm going to read it, we're going to talk about it in just a moment, but you'll see this is one of the big thrusts that's going on right now. The world is telling our young people, sex outside of marriage is not bad, it's normal, having fun, bad or good, he goes on to say. This reason God gave them over and abandoned them to vile affections and degrading passions. Verse 27. The men turned from... Well, let's see. I didn't read it all. Verse 26. For this reason God gave them over and abandoned abandoned them to vile affections and degrading passions. For their women exchanged their natural function for an unnatural and abnormal one. We have the weight... Of society. Pressing us. That this is not true. And that it is natural. For a woman to be with a woman. If that is how they were born. And how they are. We're being pressed. Do you understand this? We're being pushed. We're being pushed from Washington. We're being pushed from the European community and the world community, we're being pressed that we are archaic and we are prejudiced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that this is not true. Mm-hmm. Some say, well, we're in love. You can fall in love with people you should never even been with. That's right. And your emotions are real. But it doesn't make it right. I don't care what kind of, I don't know what kind of experience Adam and Eve had with that fruit when they took it. The Bible talks about the pleasure of sin for a season. And they knew some stuff they didn't know. But it didn't make it right. Hmm? Didn't make it right, didn't make it good. If God says it's bad, then I don't care. What laws are passed? Amen. It's bad. Yes, sir. Hmm? Yes. If he says it's bad, it's bad, I don't care how you feel. I don't care how your emotions are. I don't care how long you felt that way. You either believe him or you don't. Yes. Amen. And this is no different than any other thing. I know of any number of pastors that have left their wives and married other women that were in their church. And it's exactly the same thing. We fell in love. We just, we couldn't help it. It was bigger than the both of us. And how can anything that feels so wonderful be bad? Because I felt like I've never felt when I'm with this person. And we're so happy. You have changed bad to good. You are saying bad is good. I've pled with pastors before. They've taken a man's wife that's in their church. And they're trying to say, well, maybe we made a mistake, you know, in the beginning. But God's forgiven us. And I think this is his perfect will for us ultimately. No. We're not saying this for any condemnation. God wants to spare people mistakes. Right now, right now, I've had some things on my heart bothering me this week, and the Lord's—he's always ahead of the enemy. Let's uh, let me finish reading this, and then let's talk about how these things work. The women exchange their natural function for an unnatural and abnormal one. Women with women, according to the Bible is unnatural and abnormal. Now you believe that or you can believe something else. Verse 27, The men also turned from natural relations with women and were set ablaze, burning and consumed with lust for one another. Men committing shameful acts with men and suffering in their own bodies and personalities the inevitable consequences and penalty of their wrongdoing and going astray, which was their fitting retribution. And so, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or approve of Him or consider Him worth the knowing, God gave them over to a base and condemned mind to do things not proper or decent, but loathsome. Until they were filled. With every kind of unrighteousness and iniquity, grasping and covetous greed and malice, full of envy and jealousy and murder, strife, deceit, treachery, ill will, and cruel ways. They were secret backbiters and gossipers, slanderers, hateful to and hating God, full of insolence, arrogance, boasting, inventors of new forms of evil, disobedient and undutiful to parents, without understanding, conscienceless, faithless, heartless, loveless, and merciless. Though they are fully aware of God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve to die, that they not only do them themselves, but approve and applaud others who practice them. It's a choice. He's talking about people who saw God. They saw what was right, but they didn't want that. And when you say, I don't want that, I don't want to believe that, I don't like that, that doesn't agree with what I want to do. There's nothing left but darkness. And what you have done then is you willingly yield to deception. And if you go far enough that way, you will come to believe your own lies. You'll believe it, which means you are deceived. You're believing that a lie is right. You're believing something God said is bad is okay or even good. Or that something God said is good is actually bad. And we have so much of this in our modern society. Listen to me. um, Let me give you a scripture for this before I say it. Go to 1 Timothy. Some things are not as fun as other things, but they need to be done. Can you stay with me? 1 Timothy 5. 1 Timothy 5, verse 1. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brothers, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. How should you treat an older man? Like a father. How should you treat a younger man? As a brother, younger woman, older woman. Family. Like, like family. And then he adds Timothy's a young man. Yes. So he says treat the younger women as sisters with what? All with all purity. 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 What's he talking about? Friend, there, there are lines you are not to cross. Most of the uh, affairs that Christians have they have with people who are their friends that they fellowship with man has affairs with the woman who's his wife's friend or best friend woman has affair with somebody who is her husband's friend happens all the time why? happens to Christians All the time. Why? People are not doing this. They're not treating that other man's wife like a sister. With all purity. And the line is crossed first in the soul. And in the mind. And then if you go far enough, then it's crossed with the body. But people are loose with their soul. Just like people can be loose with their body. People cross lines. Your heart is like a house that has different rooms. Stranger comes up, you never saw him before. They knock on the door. That does not mean you open the door and take them back to the bedroom. You talk to them through the door. Right? They don't even get in the house. You don't know them. Who are you? What are you doing? Somebody that you know casually. Maybe a neighbor you don't know very well. You might let them into the living room. But you don't go back further into the house. People that you know pretty good. You take them on back into the kitchen. and Y'all sit down and have a cup of tea or coffee or whatever. And you talk. But only your spouse do you take back into the bedroom. Well, your heart is that way. Your soul is that way. And how people get in trouble is they get to talking with each other about stuff they got no business talking about. About my wife and how she, you know, this guy is talking to his wife's best friend. About how he and his wife are having trouble. And she doesn't appreciate him. You've already crossed a big line. You are in the room with somebody. A room you got no business being in. And with them. Well we're not doing anything. You've already done something. You keep doing this. It's just a matter of time till you're in the bed. Are you with me now? No. It's pr- it is being... A traitor. It's betraying your spouse's confidence. You talk to your husband's best friend. Or even your female best friend. About your husband's mistakes. And failures. He doesn't do this for you. doesn't do that. That's being a traitor. That's betraying their confidence. Why do you think you want to hide it. And don't want them to know. And we've got a lot of Women. That get too close emotionally like this and they wind up in bed sexually. And men that get too close and the same thing. But they're crossing lines emotionally. They're opening, they're being loose. I mean, everybody knows, Christian that cares a thing about God. You don't just go up to somebody and jerk all your clothes off. (laughs) We've learned that much since Physically, but people have not understood you don't do that with your soul either. That's right. You don't just sit down with somebody and bear your heart and bear your soul and share your innermost feelings with your wife's best friend, your husband's best friend. You're already getting intimate with them, yes, even though you're not in the bed yet. Are y'all with me? Well, it's not a bad thing, though. We're such good friends, and we're so close. And I can just share with you, you are already biting the devil's bait. You are already deceiving you. You know in your heart it ain't right. You knew it the first time you crossed the line. You knew it the first time you looked at them too long. You knew it the first time you got over in the corner and talked a little bit about something that shouldn't have been. But if you don't want it to be that way, your flesh likes it. Your soul likes the attention. You keep going, keep going, keep going. Now, we like to come to church and pretend we, this is not happening or that it's not happening much. But the reality is, we have an epidemic. Ministers, the ministers of the congregation are on their fourth, and fifth, and sixth marriages. And just don't see that much wrong with it. Well, God will forgive us. Well, yeah, he will. He'll forgive you and he'll still love you. But there are some things that can cost you so dearly, you can never get them fixed and you can never make them right. And you can forfeit God's plan for your life. Oh, he'll forgive you. And he'll still love you. But it can cost you. It can cost you what you cannot get back. If he says it's bad, bad, it's bad. Forget what your eyes want to see, and your ears want to hear, and your soul wants to feel. We need to get back. In fact, let me, let me see if I can read it. To you. go back to Isaiah. Well, it's not fun, but it's important. Thank you, Master. Thank you for your mercy. Somebody may have to help me with this one. I believe this is in... uh, No, no. Jeremiah 6. Thank you, Lord. Jeremiah 6. Don't play games with yourself. Don't kid yourself. Be honest with yourself. Be honest about what you know in your heart, what you sense in your heart. We need to get some things back. That this society and generation has lost Amen. of character and integrity yes, and what is proper. Amen. Hmm? Yes, Don't we? Yes, and that's what this talks about. Jeremiah, the sixth chapter and about verse 15 or so here. Jeremiah 6. Let's just go to 16. Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord. Stand ye in the ways. And see and ask. For the old paths. Where is the what? Where is the what? Good way. Huh? Good way. So see. That's old. That's archaic. That's prudish. Elizabethan. You know. Old square. Listen. God has never changed. If it was right 12 centuries ago, it's right now. Uh, Society has not advanced beyond it. And we need to do that. We're suffering from the rebellion of the 50s and 60s. And there's this perversion there. You know, I mean whole... You know the youth... Of the 60's. The main thing was love. Free love. And sex is love and good. Sex is not love. Sex is not love. And on that foundation of free love. Equals free. No commitment. Don't even matter if you know them or not. Sex. Generations have just gone further in the dark. On that. Until. A lot of people, even if they don't say it right out loud, the implication is that sex is like the ultimate experience in life. And so really, endangering or sacrificing most anything is worth it to have the ultimate experience. Sex is not at all what the world is cranking it up to be. See, they're trying to exchange that for ecstasy in God, which doesn't even compare. Married people can have a wonderful sex life. They can have great experiences, but they'll still be largely physical. And it doesn't compare to what's beyond that in spirit. Are you with me now? I don't know if I'm saying this properly or not, but... All this emphasis on sex is deception. And people that are throwing away their churches, throwing away their marriages, throwing away the respect of their kids for an experience. What are they doing? Whether they say it or not, they're saying, This experience is worth this. It's not remotely worth it. It's not. And outside of marriage, it's evil. Be convinced of it. And don't go near it. Don't go around it. You know it in your heart. You know it. The first time something's not right. Between you and another person. You know it. Especially as you develop spiritually. (laughs) I've had ladies... Attractive ladies want to talk to me and they take my hand and they go, Brother Keith, I just want you to pray with me. Oh, no. And by the time the other hand touched me, I, you can you know, this ain't prayer. Okay. This ain't got nothing to do with prayer. But people then, they... Uh, What's the word? They fabricate all kinds of reasons then to be around somebody and cross paths with them and, and see them and we got to work together and we got to do this and we got to do that and and you know you know you know you know and that's exactly. What Adam and Eve are doing. Out there hanging around a tree. That's right, huh? <laughs> huh? Yep. That's right. What if they had said. Hey. 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 <laughs> God said. You do not eat of that tree. Then what business have you got. Being anywhere around. That tree. Amen. You're not going to. You know. A man. Not going to fall in bed with another man. That he doesn't talk to. Or is never around. You, if you feel tempted. You feel pulled. You know what to do. Right? Even if it's like an eye or a hand. What's the Bible say? Cut it off. Cut it off. It's a lot easier. To pass the grocery store. Than the cookie aisle. let's say you're trying to lose a few pounds huh if you just drive right past don't even look don't even look at the grocery store just, just go right on, right on by just right away you're not even thinking about it you know. but if you go in there <laughs> huh you know where the cookie aisle is you knew where it was when you walked in the door but you pretend like oh you know we don't care about cookies we're just you know Right? Oh, look here. We're in the cookie aisle. <laughs> Liar. You, you knew when you pulled in. And, I, you know, I eat cookies sometimes. But I'm just saying, if you knew, you weren't going to. You weren't supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> and if you bring them home, and they're in the cabinet there calling your name, That's why the man said in the proverb to his sons concerning the wayward, loose woman. What did he say? Don't go near the door of her house. Don't go down that street. Don't go by there. I know a woman. God delivered her. Called her into the ministry. Anointed her. Used her. But she's going to minister to some of the women that were in some of the bondage she was in. So she's in this place in Vegas. And uh, they're all sitting at this table. All these guys are knocking back these margaritas that she really used to enjoy so much. And the next thing you know, she's running her finger around the top of one of those glasses like she used to and didn't even realize what she's doing. How many understand something has already gone way wrong? She's hmm? right got no business being in here. Hmm? Somebody say, Yeah, well, I, I did it a lot of times, and God was merciful. Yeah, but that was before you had light. That was when you were ignorant, and you didn't know, and God had mercy on you. I know, uh, let me tell you this story, and it's not very nice, but you need to know it. I, in healing school, one time ministered to a man, and he was a lawyer. Top of his profession, very successful, very well known, beautiful family, daughters, wife, and he drank. Drank socially, then he got to just get up drinking and drink all day long, and go to bed hide Drinks at the office. And you look for excuses to drink, and until he just, you know, drank himself into oblivion, he ruined his. You know, you don't have to show up to too many cases drunk until that's going to hurt your reputation and, and show up at the courthouse drunk. And I mean, over a period of a couple of years, absolutely ruined his practice, destroyed his marriage. His kids don't want to talk to him. He's been in and out of these uh, dependency centers and places and come out drinking. Well, as a last resort, he came to healing school. And he was there with us for two or three weeks. And at the end of the time, the Lord dealt with me to lay hands on him and break the power of that thing over his life in the name of Jesus. And I did. He said later, he explained it, he said, Brother Keith, it felt like a band just came off of me. And he said, he told me this is months later, he said, I haven't even had a desire for a drink. I've been free. And he was doing, he was so thankful and happy that he was doing missionary work, uh, on the side and, and got his business back and his practice began to develop again, got back with his wife and began to patch things up with his kids. He's clean, he's sober, he's straight. But before, when I laid hands on him, the Spirit of God came on me. I got my hands there on his head and I stopped and I, I said, open your eyes. I said, look at me, look at me. I said, God has set you free today. He said, I, he was crying. He said, I know it. I know it. I said, but listen to me carefully. I said, do you remember Joseph when he's in there with Potiphar's wife and she's pressing him, trying to get him into the bed? I said, what did he do? Do have you read the story? Do you know? I said, he ran. I mean, he ran out of his clothes. His outer garment that she had a hold of. He ran right out of his jacket. And he didn't stay and talk. He ran. I said listen. If you're ever tempted to take another drink. And to get back into this. I said I don't care who you with. I don't care where you are. I don't care what's going on. Get up and run. I said just run. Are you listening to me? And he said yeah. I said no. Listen to me. Are you looking at me? Run. Don't play with it. And I'm sure he thought something was wrong with me because I told him about four or five times. I shook him. I looked him in the eye. And then we talked a little bit about it later. I said, you know, you might have got by with promiscuous sex for a hundred times. And then get to God and go back. Next time could be a disease. It could be the end you might have got drunk and high and done all kind of crazy things for twenty years, but you got saved and you got light and got delivered. Sometimes all the enemy needs is one more time with you. Because you know better now. He needs one more one more time he could take you out. Because you know better. You'd be sinning against light. Well, he did good for I don't know. Two or three, four years. He's back up in his practice. And he's at a country club with other attorneys. They're all drinking. All these drinks are in front of him. They keep pouring them and mixing them, pouring them, and he's sitting there. It's been years. So he thinks, you know, I think I could handle a drink. What's it time to do? See, he doesn't even know how much danger he's in right now. Well, he plays with it and toys with it and has them bring him one and he's not sure and takes a little sip and another and another and another and drinks for three days and has a stroke. And is bound to the wheelchair. One time. You see why God was telling him? Why God was so strong to him? The devil's a killer. He's a destroyer. God was merciful to us in our ignorance and our sin. He was merciful. He was gracious. He forgave us. But now we know. So don't play with it. Don't toy with it. And if the pressure gets on, if the heat gets on, what do you do? Run. I don't care if they think you're nuts. Run, Get out of that. Run. Your life could depend on it. Your ministry could depend on it. He said, stand in the ways. Ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein. Walk in that. And you'll find rest for your soul." They said we will not walk there. We say we will. We will walk in it. Stand on your feet, please. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord. If we had time, we're so inclined, we could take you to a number of other verses. Ephesians talks about it's improper for saints and children of God to even talk about what ungodly people do in private. There are a lot of things that just should be beneath us. They're bad. We don't talk them. There's so many things that are improper. We need to get back to some old paths of propriety. What is proper? What is not? What's appropriate? What is not? You know, understand most swimsuits today are indecent. Hmm? That a hundred years ago, a decent man or woman wouldn't even have dreamed of wearing that in front of the opposite sex. We have lost a whole lot of ground. As people of God, we must regain it. Are you willing? Yes. Do you care? Yes. You care about your marriages? Yes. Care about your families? Yes. Your ministries? Yes. Then we are not stupid enough to just let the enemy lead us by the nose into sin and ruin us. Now, if you've missed it in times past and you've repented, God heard you, he's forgiven you. We're not talking about that. He doesn't even remember it anymore. And we're not holding it against you. Right? We're not upset with you. We don't look down on you. All of us have missed it and made mistakes. You know, even if you didn't miss it in that area, sin is sin. But God's endeavoring to protect us from failure right now. And spare us. Can you say amen? Close your eyes. Said out loud, Father God, Father God I, love I love you. I love your truth. I love your ways. Love your ways. I'm, asking you, I'm asking, you, asking you, we're all asking you, as this church family, as this church family show us, show us the, old paths the old paths that are good. That are good. The, old the old ways. Teach us Jesus. about what is proper. And what is improper. improper. Teach us us. what is good good. and what is bad. We'll follow our heart. We'll We'll obey it. We're not ignorant of the devil's device. device. We'll not be destroyed destroyed. by sin. sin. For you are able to keep us us and help us to keep ourselves.